But here's the thing. We got to pray. And I mean, I'm talking about, let's pray. For lost souls. Pray for the people you know. Pray for the people you don't know. There are people that are halfway around the world that we need to pray for to come to know Christ. It's the only thing that's going to change this world. It's the only thing that's going to make a difference. Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week, we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. We've been working on a uh, sermon for a few uh, Sundays, a couple of Sundays anyway. And Brace for Impact, if you didn't uh, pick that up on that last song, that's what that was about. So look at your neighbor and say, Brace for Impact. If you remember, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, I was going to give the example of Doug and I getting on opposite ends of the of the area up here, running at each other at full blast, and everybody was getting a kick out of that up until I said, whoa, 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 we're not doing this. <laughs> that, that would just be a, a, a big mess where Doug and I are concerned. But Doug, Doug was helping out, and I appreciate that. Here's the deal. We're supposed to make a difference in our world. Okay, thanks for coming. Appreciate it. Let's pray again, and we'll be dismissed. Hey, that's a sermon. We're supposed to make a difference in our world. We're supposed to exact change into our world. I've said this many, many times. We we have a choice in this life. We can be a thermometer or we can be a thermostat. And the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer is this. Uh, A thermometer does nothing other than register the temperature that's already in this room. If it's 30 degrees and you walk in here and there's a thermometer, it's going to read 30 degrees. If it's 95 degrees and you walk in here and that thermometer is going to do nothing more than say it's 95 degrees. Now, a thermostat, on the other hand, and for the, some of you know it, some of you don't, we had to, we had to get a new uh, AC system. And some of you are fanning and some of you are wearing uh, blankets, so I know I got it just right as far as temperature goes. It was that way last Sunday as well. There was somebody in here that was shivering and somebody that was over there fanning. It's perfect, perfect temperature. And so anyway, we got a new thermostat. It's the one in the middle over there on the wall. And, man, it's nice. We get to program it to where Zach doesn't have to come up here Saturday nights after, after he gets off from work. And he's happy about that if nobody else is. And so he comes on on Sunday morning about 4 a.m. And guess what? It says to itself, self, and, and it says, huh? It's too hot in here. Let's make it a little cooler. Or it's too cool in here. We won't turn on the AC right now. We'll wait for later. And that's what we're supposed to do. When we walk into a room, we should not reflect the temperature of that room. We should be able to exact change and make a difference in that room. And in this world that we're living in, it, it is a treacherous path to be a believer. Amen? The sentiment toward Christianity is not what it once was. I've often lamented and told my wife I should have been born and pastored back in the heyday in the 1950s and 60s when everybody went to church. Amen? Cultural Christianity. It didn't mean they were any more saved, but everybody went to church. And so here's the deal. It's harder for us to to make a difference, it's harder for us to make an impact 
in the day and time in which we live. Harder for us to make an impact at our school, harder for us to make an impact at our jobs, in our neighborhoods, because people aren't as receptive as they once were. But you know what? That doesn't mean we should become a thermometer. doesn't mean that if we walk into a room of people who don't believe in Christ that suddenly we don't even talk about him. Amen? We're supposed to talk about him everywhere we go. That doesn't mean you have to get up in somebody's grill and, and, and give them grief about it. Uh, but it means that we're supposed to be trying to make an impact wherever we are, however we can do it. So Brace for Impact is our uh, sermon that we're working on. We've got a couple of scriptures that we're looking at. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. It says, you are the salt of the earth. That's present and future. You are the salt of the earth, period. Not you might become, not you could work your way into becoming salty. Some of you are a little too salty anyway, (laughs) if you know what I mean. (laughs) He says, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out, trampled underfoot as worthless. You are now the light of the world as well. Salt and light, that's what we're called to be. Making a difference, making an impact. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, the lamp is placed on a stand up high where everybody can see it and light the whole house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. We've also been looking at Matthew chapter 9. And this is the, Jesus traveled through all the towns, villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, if I'm reading faster than normal, it's because I'm wearing my glasses. Amen. I can actually see it really, really good. (laughs) He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. 10%, this is a true statement, 10% of the people do 100% of the work in church world. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Yeah, there. He had compassion on them because they were confused, helpless like a sheep. And without a shepherd said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are are very, 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 very few. That's that's the Phillips translation. Okay, so pray to the Lord, who is in charge of the harvest, talking about our Heavenly Father. Ask Him to send more workers into His fields. His fields, not our fields, His fields. Okay? So again, may the Lord add His blessing to the reading and ministry of His Word today. We've been looking at this passage in particular looking at what Jesus did, what examples we can draw from it, what we can, what we can determine from it. And, and first of all, we need to see as he sees. And I used the example of this right here. I went to uh, get my eyes checked because it was getting to where I was having a hard time. If I wasn't in a place, if I went to Houston to do something, I'd uh, have to depend on my GPS on my phone to tell me where to turn because I couldn't see the sign on the street soon enough to get turned and t- get over if I needed to or whatever. So I thought, hey, it's, it's time for me to get my eyes checked again because it's been several years. And so I went, and I don't know if anybody's went to get your eyes checked lately, but they are doing some weird stuff these days. 
I went in there. They put me in a room by myself. And there was a lady on the TV. She said, pull that thing up to your eyes. Make sure it's got a little switch that pushes on your forehead. Make sure that switch stays made. Make sure to keep your forehead. Okay, now which is better, one or two? Or one or two? I don't know. I didn't get a chance to ask her where she was and wanted to. I mean, she may have been halfway around the world. I don't know. Uh, but they did it all there. So then they, uh, they turn on, the, I, it was a light, I figured out later, they turn on a light outside the door and have, the, have the, the little helper come back in and put up the stuff for your close-up, see how much ads you need for your bifocals. We won't talk about that. And, uh, and, and somebody said, amen, because uh, we won't talk about that. So anyway, got them checked. And basically what I have problems with is I've got hyperopia, which means I'm farsighted. I always had that problem. And I've also got presbyopia, which means uh, literally old eyes. How many of you have to have ad on your glasses for reading and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, that, that, that's presbyopia. And it sounds much better to say presbyopia than you got old eyes. Amen. Because, I mean, but that's what it means. That the, the presba means old. That's, that's why whenever a church is set up to have elders, uh, that's the presbytery. Now, we're not a Presbyterian church, but we have elders. So we have a presbytery in this church. And uh, that's, that's where that whole thing comes from, is just the elders. It means you got elder eyes. Even elder eyes sounds better than old eyes, doesn't it, Derek? <laughs> so here's the deal. How can we correct that? We got to see better. We got to have vision. Helen Keller is reported to have said or uh, written, however she did it. I don't know how she did it, but she said, somebody asked her, what could be worse than being born blind? And she said, to have sight and have no vision. Got to have good vision. We got to see like Jesus sees. And he looked out on these people and he had compassion. Why? Because he saw them. He just didn't see a group of people. He saw them as individuals and said, these people are just like sheep without a shepherd. No direction, doing whatever they want to, just doing whatever feels good. Oh, wait, no, that's today. Amen? And so we've got we've to fix our vision. We've, we've got to, whether it's hyperopia or myopia, I talked about that last week. If you weren't here, you can go back and catch that sermon. So we've got to see as he sees. We've got to look at people, look beyond the situations they're in. Sometimes we, we've got to look beyond what they're doing. There may be somebody that you encounter that's out there shooting up drugs. And you may stop and help that person. doesn't mean you're, you're acquiescing to what they're doing, but you just see beyond what they're doing. All kinds of stuff that go on, and, and we don't have to say, hey, we approve of that. But what we can do is tell them we know a better way. You don't have to live like you're living. You don't have to do what you're doing. You can change, and that makes an impact in our world. So number two, feel as he feels. And as we talked about it last week, um, as we touched on this one, I didn't hardly get all the way done, but go back and catch that one if you will. Basically, we, we've got to allow compassion to play a, a part in our lives. Sympathy is like, oh, you poor thing. God bless your little heart. Empathy is, I feel what you're feeling. Compassion is, I feel that. Anybody ever watch anybody get cut, watch a video or something online of somebody getting cut, and you just go, ooh. 
ooh, that hurt, and I wasn't even there. That's, that's compassion. That's empathy. Being able to feel what somebody else feels. And we've got to allow ourselves not to feel like we're superior. Paul says, don't think higher of yourselves than you should. Because, you know, sometimes we can get judgmental. Amen? Sometimes we can really, really, really get condescending because we're up here and we know the Lord and we're saved and we're going to heaven and you are doing all this rotten, mean, ugly, nasty stuff. And what we've got to do is allow ourselves to feel what he feels and have that compassion and not just generalize everything. So, again, you can listen to that. Number three, pray as he prays. How many of you pray every day? Most of you. How many of you pray for yourselves? A little fewer. How many of you pray for somebody else, family member, a friend, somebody? Okay. Because see, what Jesus said was he saw these people. He felt that compassion. He saw them. He felt compassion. And then he began to pray. And what did he pray? What was his prayer for these people? There's a lot of people that need to be saved. The harvest is many. The workers are few. So he told us, pray to your heavenly father that he will send more people into the harvest. Okay? There's nothing wrong with praying for yourself. Nothing wrong with praying God's blessings on your life. Sometimes I think we get hung up on praying for ourselves. But in the Old Testament, most of you have probably read it at some point in time. Maybe you read it and passed over it, but it's in First Chronicles chapter 4, and it's called the Prayer of Jabez. There's this long, exhaustive list of ancestry, and he begat he, and she begat her, and all this kind of stuff. All the begat, begat, begats. And if you've ever read through the Bible like I did the first time, and you started in the beginning, like I thought you would with any book, uh, I got to the begat, begat, begats at least five different times and got bogged down in all that begat. Amen? And, and so what we've got to do is realize that there's something to be said in this one little section here. It's a long, pretty exhaustive list of begats. And all of a sudden, there's a parenthetical statement. And there was a guy named Jabez, and he prayed this prayer, Lord, bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. Bless everything that I, I, I set my hands to do and keep me from evil, keep me from harm, keep me from all these problems. That was his prayer. And it says he was more honorable than all of these people that we just talked about. Talking about that exhaustive list of genealogies. And that's one of those times when you just got to scratch your head and say, there's something more there than I just read. And it simply means that God took time out of giving this exhaustive genealogy to talk about somebody that prayed for themselves and how he prayed and what he prayed. So it's not wrong to say, God, bless me. As I set out to do whatever it is you've called me to do, would you bless me? Would you enlarge my territory? In other words, my area of influence, my area of of impact would you would you let the crater that i leave whenever i fall down here on this earth would you let that crater just get bigger and bigger and bigger because that's what my influence is when it whenever i i impact this world i want to leave a crater that's huge amen 
And so then he says, let everything that I lay my hand to be prosperous. In other words, that you would allow everything, my job, the efforts that I have for the kingdom, let it all just, just magnify and multiply bigger than it even should. And keep me, from, keep me from evil, keep me from harm, keep me from all these things. And so there's a big thing there that it's not wrong to pray for yourself. Sometimes we have a problem with that. I think we ought to pray for ourselves every day. Amen? And then sometimes we get bogged down in prayer. Anybody ever got bogged down in prayer before? Two or three honest people. Because <laughs> I think we all get bogged down in prayer. There was one time when I was a fairly new believer, and uh, Angie had gone to a women's conference. And she had brought home a stack of papers, you know, every little session, every little breakout session. They had a, you know, paper that they handed out and everything. And I'll never forget it. I kind of looked to them when she got home. And it was how to spend an exciting hour in prayer. And how many of you spend an exciting hour in prayer every day? Yeah, me either. <laughs> so I went by this list, and it's like five minutes this and five minutes that, and do this for five minutes. And, you know, so first time she went, she was going on a, I don't remember where she was gone, but she was gone on an overnight trip. So I, I already got it in my mind. She was gone on a Friday and a Saturday. I think it was, might have been a ladies' function or something. Uh, so anyway, I've got in my mind, my Friday night is going to be exciting because I'm going to spend an exciting hour in prayer. And so I got that paper out, got my stopwatch out. You know, like I didn't have an iPhone back then, but I said, you know, five minutes. And so I did whatever it said on that paper for five minutes. It's like, this is going to be a long hour. <laughs> so I said it again. And I did the next thing on the list. And finally, it's like, this is not very exciting. And, and we've got all these little things that help us pray and all the stuff that, that goes on. Some of them, uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. Acts is what I'm, you know, uh, this adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Well, I got the supplication part, and I wasn't even sure how to supplicate, and I surely wasn't sure if I was doing it right when I thought I was doing it. And, you know, we, we get all these wordy things going on for, for what prayer really is. And you know what prayer is? A conversation. And, okay, I, I, I'll, I'll preface all this by saying this. I, I'm me. And this is the way I figured out how to do it. Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I talk to God just like I was talking to you. Now, I take time to adore him for who he is and what he is and i realize how awesome he is and i never ever treat that lightly but here's the deal i think he'd rather us come to him like he i this is often how i pray i don't necessarily say heavenly father i come before you today to supplicate you know I, I, I worked with a guy one time that he was going into ministry. This was even before I felt the call into ministry. And he went to a church to try out to preach. And they, afterward, they kind of critiqued him, told him, you know, the lowdown on, on whether they were going to pick him or not. And they said, you're, you know, really, really like you. Seemed like a nice guy. Your, your, your lesson was uh, very enjoyable. And that kind of tells some of you what branch in the family tree it was in whenever they say lesson. And... Uh, but they said, we have a real problem. He said, oh, really, what is it? And he said, 
uh, the guy that was talking to him uh, said, you didn't use enough thou's and dies in your prayers. Are you kidding? <laughs> I said, well, they surely wouldn't like mine. <laughs> and, and there's a whole bunch of times whenever I go to God and I call him daddy. Because he's my daddy. He's my heavenly father, but I don't call. When I call my dad that lives up there in Kentucky, I don't say, hello, father. Now, some of you may, and that's okay if you do that. And if you address your, your, hev- your earthly father that way, then you probably should address your heavenly father that way but i call him daddy and especially there have been times whenever i have had my heart broken believe it or not this world is not perfect and there are some times whenever things happen that you just don't understand and there's been a bunch of times whenever i've went to my heavenly father and said daddy i i don't even know what to say and if you've never been there Praise the Lord. And I hope you never do that. But there have been many, many times whenever I've squeaked out, Daddy, and just busted out crying. I'm not ashamed to say that. There have been times on this earth that my heart has literally been broken. Sometime when you've got a week of extra time, I'll tell you all about it. But here's the deal. I don't think a conversation should be formal. I don't, think, I don't think that we should do anything different when we're speaking to our Heavenly Father because He's real to me. He is real. And I don't feel like some formality is, is going to help that or encourage me to, to say anything that I wouldn't ordinarily. So I just go to Him and I just pray in a conversation. Lord, you know what's going on. I mean, hey, He's God. I don't have to rehearse everything. Lord, they, they treated me bad today, or they did this, or they did that. Hey, he knows all about it. There's many, many times I go to him, and I just say, Lord, you already know. So here's what I'm asking. Would you help me in this? Would you help me to get over that? Would you help, help my, my heart not to be hurt over this or that or the other? Or, God, I know, I know that something I did or I said or some action that I made that, that I had absolutely no malice in whatsoever hurt somebody's feelings and so god show me what i need to do to make that right and 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 i'm just all i'm saying is that just like jesus said the harvest is is great the workers are few lord would you send more people would you would you help me to reach more people for the kingdom so that we can get more workers whether that you know i I shared with you in the beginning 10 percent of the people do 100 percent of the work well you're, you're never going to get 100% of the people to do 100% of the work. Amen? Never going to happen. So what you got to do is make the 10% bigger. Amen? <laughs> so, you know, 10% of 10 is, is a whole lot smaller than 10% of 100 or 10% of 1,000 or 10% of 10,000. So what we've got to do is reach more people. We've, we've got to do more and, and allow the Lord to work in us and through us. And so... All I'm telling you is this. We've got to, I, I won't ask you for a show of hands, but how many of you any time in the last week, I'll even make it in the last month, said, Lord, there's a lot of lost people and we need to reach them. 
And if you didn't, all I'm doing is saying in the next month, in February sometime, pray, Lord, there's a lot of lost people out there. Show us how to reach them. Show us how to make an impact because that's, that's impactful. That's eternity. And, and, and the only thing that, that we can determine from this statement is, is it broke Jesus' heart. He felt compassion. He said they're like sheep without a shepherd. And so, Lord, would you send more workers into the harvest? And, Lord, would you send me into the harvest? Yeah, that's a dangerous prayer to pray. But I'll, I'll never forget. I've shared this maybe once here. There was a time, and it was another one of these, uh, it may have been the same weekend that she was gone because all the ladies in the church were gone, so it was the all-men Sunday morning. And our pastor, his name was Jim Leak, and he was not hardly as tall as I am, probably that much rounder around, a little chubby-faced guy, and this is the way he talked. This was as loud as he got. This was as high as, as his voice ever went. And he would get up there, you know, this is the day. This is the day. He would lead the singing. He did everything. He was one of those times I've been there and done that too. There's sometimes, first church we ever pastored, I told Angie, I said, I feel like I need to get a bunch of different hats and get some iron-on letters because right now I'm a Sunday school teacher. All right, now I'm the song leader because I had to lead the singing, and now I'm taking up the offering, and now it's time to preach. Because, you know, sometimes I think people got it all mixed up, what I was doing at what time. And thank goodness we got people here that do the music. You ought to thank God that we got people here to do the music. So anyway, Brother Leek was up there, and he was leading the worship, and he's, you know, working away on this is the day, and his voice just leaves. And the, the funny thing is, I had prayed the night before in my exciting hour of prayer. After I ditched the paper and put away the timer, I said, Lord, I want you to use me. I don't know how, and I've shared with you many, many times, I was so absolutely backward, so if I'd have had to stand up here and tell you my name, I'd have turned three colors of red. And so I said, I don't know how you're going to do it, but would you use me somehow? Well, Brother Leek's up there leading the music, and his voice just goes, Wah. I mean, it's gone. And so, again, none of the ladies are in the church, the ones that usually sang and stuff like that. And he's up there, and he says, somebody's going to have to finish up leading this singing. To which I said, amen. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> needs to get up there and finish. And, y'all, it was one of those twilight zone moments, if you've ever had one of those. It had to be at least an hour, okay, in my mind. From the time he said somebody needs to get up here and finish, so I'm, I'm looking around, I'm like, so, yes. Did you hear the preacher? And nobody's moving. I mean, nobody. And it's just like, I felt like the Holy Spirit just did that little nudge. Are you kidding? So I got up there and finished up whatever song we were on there. And maybe did one more. 
And, you know, of course, everybody was, you know, boy, you did a good job and all that kind of stuff. Well, I hope you recorded it because there's not going to be any others, you know. And it was after I was on the way home, whenever I'm like, Lord, I, I know I did a terrible job there because I'm my worst critic. I don't know if you are you, but I am me. I'm my worst critic. Every Sunday I, on the way home, I think about it. Man, I meant to say this, or I could have said that better, or I could have used that scripture. That would have been the one to fit there. I mean, I do that. I used to do it worse than I do now. Now I kind of like, okay, I'm just me, and sometimes I miss it, and, and next Sunday I'll go back and preach it again. So, <laughs> Zach liked that one. <laughs> so here's the deal. I'm on the way home, and I was like beating myself up. Oh, that sounded horrible. That was terrible. That was awful. God, why did you put me in that spot? And it, I'm serious. It was just like he was sitting in that truck, and he said, because you asked me to. Okay, you're right. Learn something there. Be careful what you pray, first of all. In your exciting hour of prayer. <laughs> and uh, little did I know at that time it was going to work out to be something bigger than that that he was calling me to do. But here's the thing. we got to pray. And I mean, I'm talking about let's pray. For lost souls, pray for the people you know, pray for the people you don't know. There are people that are halfway around the world that we need to pray for to come to know Christ. It's the only thing that's going to change this world. It's the only thing that's going to make a difference. We, we look around and we, t I'm in that group, so don't think I'm throwing rocks at you. We complain about what our world looks like right now. Oh, it's just not the place I grew up. No, but it could be if we pray. I can't believe these kids these days. They don't, you know, disrespectful, all this kind of stuff. Well, hey, it's because they don't know the Lord. And in a lot of cases, their parents don't know the Lord. And, and in some cases, their grandparents don't know the Lord. So we got three generations to pray for there. That's going to impact our world. And, and finally, we, and I, boy, I got to hurry up on this one. Angie's, she's looking at the time on me. Got 10 minutes. All right, we're going to make it fast. Do as he did, because I want to finish this sermon, first of all. Okay, Jesus came to these people, and he saw them. He didn't just look through them. He didn't just generalize and say, you bunch of heathens, you're, you're missing the boat. You're doing this wrong. He saw them for who they were, and he had compassion, said they're like sheep without a shepherd. Then he prayed, and a whole bunch of us would say, whew, whew glad that's done. And we miss this part right here. Do as he did. Jesus wasn't satisfied just to look and see that they had problems. He wasn't satisfied just to feel that a little bit. He wasn't satisfied just to pray for them. He did something. And the rest of his time on earth, if you look at it, he was continually doing stuff for people, around people, convincing them to believe, even so much so that it led him to the cross to give his own life for it. And this is where I stop preaching and probably start meddling for some of you. What have you done for the kingdom lately? This is one of those times when I'm debating myself on we're blessed. We're rich. 
by any standard of, of taking in the consideration of the whole world. We're a blessed people. We're a rich people. Again, the measure and stick with that is if you got a car, we're rich. Most people in this world don't have a car. Does your car live in a house that we call a garage? It, yes, it, it, then we're rich. If we have a car and it lives in a house, we're rich. We're, if your car you, that you have doesn't get to sleep in this house because you filled this house up with your junk, <laughs> we're rich, we're blessed. Now that's our stuff, but God calls us to use our stuff to benefit the kingdom. In some cases, and, and you know, the baby boomer generation outnumbers all the other generations, I guess up until the millennials maybe. The, the greatest generation is fading away. And they got, they got a few more years, but we, the, the baby boomers have taken the baton and the Gen Xers and whatever, whatever you want to call it. But the baby boomers are all getting to the point where they're going to retire. Spent 40, 30, 40, 50 years working for the man. Making a living, squirreling some away for retirement. And now some of you are gonna some of you are already there, some of you are getting there, and you're gonna be retiring. What is your plan at that point? You've worked for the man for 40 years. What about working for the man? The man. timing really careful here and run out of time and <laughs> I'm not being meddling I'm not being condemning my, my idea about things is different I'll preface it by saying that because I will probably never get to retire because of what God called me to do probably never get to see retirement uh, financially or time-wise, either one, because uh, in case somebody didn't let you in on it, yeah, ministry uh, doesn't pay that much. <laughs> if I'd have wanted to retire and have big money, I'd have stayed working in a plant. So, preface what I'm about to say by this. Some of you have got the opportunity that you have stepped out into not having to work for the man every day. What's your ministry? What are you doing for the kingdom? Lots of stuff that needs to be done. Lots of things going on. Lots of ways for you to get involved right here. One of the things that's happening, changing, taking place here is Acts of Grace is kind of changing, morphing into something a little bit different. It's always been to go out and feed and, and do that kind of stuff. And it just so happened that Linda May and Lisa were talking to me about some of the stuff coming up. I thought, hey, this works out perfect for that last point. Miss April has been part of that for a long time, and she's done a great job with that. She's rotating out of that, and the ministry itself is kind of taking on some different things instead of going out every every uh, what was it, every other week that you were going out once a month. Uh, it's going to be doing some more things in our community, trying to make an impact right here where we live in our neighborhood. I've said this before. And, and I want this to soak in. I, my thought is this, and I guess the Lord brought it to me because it's been a pervasive thought. If this church were to just blow up, disappear, 
overnight. From this Sunday to next, this is not here anymore. This is just 13 empty lots. Would anybody know it? Would anybody be grieved? Man, that church was really doing something. I wonder where it went. If the rapture that we talked about its first year were to take place and all of us were gone, how long would it take them to notice that we weren't here anymore? Amen or oh me. So, very, very quickly, I want Lisa and Linda May to come. And Linda May says, no, it's Lisa. We were talking about this just before the service and walked up to Lisa and I said, did you see that big orange van looking thing drive by on the street and she said no what, what was it and I said it was a school bus and Linda May was working really hard to push you under <laughs> so <laughs> Lisa's going to tell you about some of the stuff just, just in the next few months things that you can get involved with to make a difference I thought it was interesting he was talking about that pastor I mean that pastor put him and said who who can come up here and do this and he had to do that and he did that to me earlier today because I wasn't prepared for this at all but about two and a half years ago, you know, we changed the name to Acts of Grace because we wanted to incorporate more things in the ministry other than just feeding. And so over the course of time, things have changed. Different people didn't want to be as involved in that. And so we had to kind of change that schedule. And so oh, about nine months or so ago, we changed and went down to going out to feed once a month. And so April, Linda, and I began praying about the other things that we can incorporate into the ministry, what we could be doing to touch other people's lives in addition to feeding. And so um, earlier this year, we really sensed that the Lord was um, telling us to kind of put the feeding, going out and feeding aside because he has some other things he wants us to do. And it's things that everyone in the church at some point in time can get involved in. It may not be what we do in one month, may not be what you want to get involved with, but the next time it may be something that you're very interested in. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit just real quickly about what we have already done in September, October. Uh, well, actually in July of last year, Pastor um, was preaching and he said he wanted our church to be a church for the community, not just a community church. And so the Lord kind of laid on our, our hearts to um, minister to different organizations around us. And so the first thing was Amelia Elementary School. And so we went uh, last October and we took, uh, they had 31 classrooms. And so we took the teachers, we met with different people, but we took uh, supplies for every classroom. We took Kleenex, uh, dry board uh, markers, all different types of things. And so we got to bless them, pray with them. We met the principal and the uh, assistant principal. And so uh, then the next thing that we did in addition to feeding was uh, a friend of mine I have a, co- a connection with. She ministers uh, with the young girls at Girls Haven. And so I, the Lord kind of led my heart to that for a long time. And uh, so in November, she called and she was like, Lisa, uh, I think uh, I got the thing about hot hearts and that we could take these, these girls to hot hearts. Well, then she got all involved and wanted to take the boys' haven too. And so she said, do you think uh, that your ministry would want to 
uh, donate that. And so we did. We paid for tickets for the Girls Haven and Boys Haven children to go. And I'm just going to very uh, tell you as quickly as I can uh, what happened with that. So there were about 18 children that went, and I think 10 of the girls gave their life. No, seven of the girls gave their lives to the Lord, and three of the boys did. Awesome. And she said That's that it is. Yeah. <laughs> but she also told me that one of the girls, it was pretty amazing, Corey, Casey Benson, I believe. Yeah. His whole uh, life, childhood, was lived with a parent that was abusive and alcoholic. She got to meet him. She was telling him that she had these children there. And so he said, those are my people. I want to meet with them because he actually roamed and lived on the streets of Galveston. So he got. He said, I want to have lunch with. So all these kids got to go have lunch with the very main speaker of this conference. And he talked to them and told them how that the Lord could change their life and to look at him and that it was decisions that he made with the Lord that changed his life. And so he was actually talking about one time that his dad uh, was drunk and had chased him around and came looking for him with the shotgun. And uh, he was scared to death. He was running in the woods and he fell and he slipped. And that's the only reason that his dad didn't find him was that he fell. And he said, you know, I went home the next day and uh, I was so scared because my dad, you know, had gotten the gun after me. And they, all the kids were like, yes. So all these kids have lived in abusive situations. And then the other thing that uh, I'm telling you this because it's important because it's part of what y'all have given your time and your money to. But um, one of the girls she was talking to had just come to uh, Girls Haven, I think, in September. Anyway, she got to talk to her, and she had been in human trafficking. And so the Lord had gotten her out of that from just a different situation. And uh, she was very uh, not happy with God that he didn't take her out of it sooner. But my friend got to minister to her and tell her that the Lord did answer her prayer. And she got out simply because she was in a convenience store and went up to the, the teller and said, Hey, I've been kidnapped. And as a result of that, they called the police and got her out of that. And now she's in this home. Her mother was a part of her going into that that area of life but we had an impact in that we had a we we gave into that and so what we're looking at doing this coming year is um continue to minister to amelia elementary we're going to take some snacks and supplies and different things to the teachers uh we wanted to contribute to the lunch funds maybe pay for the children's lunches but they they won't allow that and so we're going to keep ministering and have continue to have an impact with that some of the other things that we are wanting to do is uh, in april is buckner uh, is the shoe drive shoes for orphan souls i believe is what it's called and so we want to set up where we are collecting shoes uh, for these um, children for these orphans uh, another thing that we want to do is minister to our local firehouse that would service our church should we have some element that we needed help with. And so we want to minister to that. We want to kind of do civic. We want to do the things that are impacting. Uh, another thing is Compassion Kits is a, a ministry we're going to be doing. It's actually ministering to, there's a missionary in Dubai, and now they've branched into India where they come, they have all these workers come into these ports and they just give them these kits and they have razors and t-shirts and different things in it. And then they began presenting the gospel to them. And then they just create these little home churches and these, these men and women get saved and then they go back to their hometown and they create home churches and then they lead their whole families to the Lord and then they create churches and it's just this amazing thing very much what Pastor talked about the Ephesus church did 
And so I think last year or year before, they had baptized over 4,000 people in India, which was a result of just growing. So we want to do that. Uh, we want to uh, have the Operation Christmas Child, which is the shoe boxes that we used to do. We're going to uh, have that again. We want to do some other things. We don't know what we're going to do yet with Girls Haven and Boys Haven. I do know, my friend has told me, that they don't have a church one, any church that sponsors them or does anything for them, even the boys, the boys' havens don't. So there's very much a ministry we can reach out and do. Uh, we want to go into nursing homes, and like April and Linda and several others did uh, last year, we want to continue that ministry. Um, some other things are in mind, do something with the police station and maybe even go up here and feed the up here on Wednesday nights, there's probably 20 or 30 kids playing basketball. So my thought is to go up there and feed them just one night and say, hey, we're right down the road and we want to minister to you. Just different things. So we want to impact our community is really what we want to do. And I'm not saying we won't feed again. Just right now, these are the things that we're going to do. And I think that the church as a whole can find one of these things any way that they can participate in. So we're excited about where we're going and what we're going to be doing. And I'm looking forward to what the Lord does. Amen. They're also, and I'm just helping out because I know some of the things that Linda May had told me, uh, also going to be doing uh, several things at the nursing homes. Brenda's going to be sewing up a bunch of stuff, so if you're handy sewing, or you just like to cut fabric, she needs people cutting out patterns and things like that. So ministry du jour. You pick, and here's the other thing there's other ministries that need to be born other ministries that right now we're very capable of doing the only problem is they're still in your mind you may have laid awake at night thinking about something that God has called you to do or that you'd like to do or some difference you'd like to make or something that you'd like to see an impact in that's not just the pizza you ate for supper that's God dealing with you that is God calling you to do something and urging you and prompting you through the Holy Spirit. So here's, here's what I'm telling you today. Get involved. Let's make an impact. Let's make a difference to where if this church did just poof, disappear. Or the day when the Lord comes back and we're all gone out of here that somebody will say, man, that church did a lot in that community. Again, I've said it before. I don't want to just be a church in a community. I want to be a community church. And we're in doing that, reaching out to the school, reaching out to the fire department, reaching out to this, you know, last fall, we went out on this street. And, and maybe some of you for the first time met people that live on, on this street. And, you know, I mean, we had a whole whopping eight people show up for that. Hello. <laughs> We're going to give other opportunities to do lots of things. Everybody doesn't like to do everything, but here's the thing. We're going to do enough that you're going to find something to be involved with. Amen? So, very, very quickly, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here, you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, you're missing out. And you're going to miss out on the greatest thing that's ever happened. Because one day he's coming back, and if you're not ready, you're going to be left behind. So if you are here and you've never made that commitment to Christ, or maybe there's a lot of life has happened and you're just not sure about everything not sure where you stand with the Lord there's just been a lot of a lot of water passed under the bridge and you say I want to make things right with God today I want to know that I know that I know that I know that I'm saved if that's you 
before you leave this place today. I want to pray with you. So if that's you, I just need to make things right with the Lord. Whether it's the first time or maybe you've done it before and there's just been a lot of things happening, you want to be sure about that. If that's you, would you slip your hand up right now? I'm not going to embarrass you. not going to call your name. not going to call you up front. Just giving you the opportunity to make it right with God. If that's you, just slip your hand up so I can pray with you. Yes. Anyone else? Very quickly. Nobody's looking around. I just need to make it right with the Lord. feel like there's one more. Let's pray. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray this. I want you to mean it from your heart. Lord, you know where I'm at. You know what's gone on in my life, and you know what I've done. Lord, there's some things that I would, I, I just cringe to even think about. Would you forgive me for that? Would you forgive my sin? Would you come into my heart, into my life? Because I need you. Lord Jesus, I know what you did for me. You died in my place, died for my sins so that I could go free. That I could be forgiven, that I could be saved, and that I could be with you in heaven one day. But while I'm here on this earth, would you lead me, guide me, direct me, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I thank you for loving me and saving me. And I thank you for it all. In Jesus' name, amen.